Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter with me, David Jones, again, from IPOP Editor on the Twitters. Um, as most of you know, I record another podcast, Meet Me at Mutual. We're recording this, by the way, on Saturday night instead of Sunday like our normal. Uh, Mr. Jones has work-related things that are going to keep him away. So, uh, But I record Mutual Friday night. Very depressing. <laughs> After watching the Cardinals, <laughs> David, tonight's show, we're recording this. The Brewers have loaded the bases in the eighth inning, but their Cardinals are up six to nothing. Um, I think we feel a little bit better about this team after what we've seen today than what we had seen basically the rest of the week. Yes, I feel like I've been able to breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, I this It's like you said, this is my fault that we're having to do this a day early and I was scared that we were not going to see a single Cardinals win in between <laughs> the two times we recorded, which I feel like would, would have been my fault for some reason. Uh, but yeah, the ship has turned around. I think uh, we have one more inning to go, but I feel so much better tonight than I did just any other time this week. Um, I think there was during their day game the other day, uh, you know, I was, I was working and, and forgot about the time it started. And I looked at my phone and I realized, oh, the game started 10 minutes ago. And I look and they're already down like four nothing. I thought, I don't even want to pay attention to this. And I feel like that's how it's been all week. That basically you can watch about 20 minutes of it and go, nope, not watching any more of this. This is garbage. Turning this off. Um, it's been a rough week. Hopefully tonight is the thing that gets things turned around. Yeah. And I will say, and I mentioned this last night too, the, the good thing, not that anything is really good about uh, early deficits like we were seeing, um, especially against the Braves. But in the past, if the team was down two, three, four runs in the second or third inning, you did. You figured, okay, this one's over, right? This team has the potential, at least we feel like it does right now, that that doesn't seem like the insurmountable um, odds that we've seen in the past. Now, granted, they didn't overcome any of those. So maybe that's, uh, uh, maybe that's just wishful thinking, but, um, yeah, it's, it is been frustrating. I mean, you know, get seven scoreless innings, get a couple of home runs and your prospects and your outlook's going to look a lot better. Apparently. Um, it was just really good to see a good pitching performance. First quality start of the year comes tonight from Jordan Montgomery, who just kind of, did what he wanted to it sounds like you know kept the brewers off the board and uh put up plenty of strikeouts and that's that's what we hope to see for jordan McGovern. we hope to see that from a lot of people but that's really what we were hoping to see out of jordan McGovern this year yeah and i think we had discussed who we thought would get through six innings first and we both picked steven Matz, and hmm. we had to wait a full week to see it happen uh Matz did get into the sixth inning but not through it but jordan montgomery tonight he, he looked like a guy who would be a top-of-the-rotation guy. He looked like the guy that we really expect him to be. Uh, his stuff was pretty nasty. He did face one inning that was a little bit rough. Bases got loaded. Uh, it seemed like he may have pitched around Adamas a little bit to get to Yelich, which who would have thought three years ago that someone yeah. would load the bases to get to Yelich? Uh, but he had a plan for him. And Yelich has looked really, really rough lately. The guy cannot lift the ball at all and they got him to ground out but uh he had strikeout stuff tonight um both yellow and montgomery and uh <laughs> he looked like the guy that we expected him to be and if this is the guy that we see going forward then i think we have a lot of reason to be optimistic yeah i mean uh, 
that would that would be huge um because that was there was the potential i think we all kind of felt like i don't know that we wanted it to see this way but we, we had the potential that jordan montgomery could be the best pitcher on this staff mm-hmm. um and you know outings like tonight shows why we believe that um and we'll see if that holds up um i'm sure he wants it to hold up um you know he's a free agent at the end of the year he pitches a few more games like this and they will need numerous trucks to back up um <laughs> to to his yard but um yeah it was just it's just so much better to see uh, as much as this team's going to build its bones on hitting i mean i think that's what we kind of feel like this team's going to do it's going to hit it's going to hit to win you know, getting good pitching performances is still kind of a component of that. And, you know, again, it's, it's sad that it took this late into the season, you know, game eight to get a game where, you know, the pitchers actually look like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Coming into tonight, the Cardinals were 23rd in ERA, 22nd in strikeouts. In whip, they were 28th in Major League Baseball. I mean, that's just, that's not good. That's not sustainable um, for a winning team, at least. And the offense, we do expect the offense to pick up, put up big numbers this year, but you're going to run into a Woodruff time to time. Mm -hmm. You're going to run into a Scherzer, a Verlander, a Corbin Burns, uh, a Garrett Cole. You can't expect the offense to put up six, seven runs every night. And so there need to be those nights where a pitcher is going to come out and either shut down the opposition or they're going to maybe just give up two or three runs. Now, one thing that is nice, the Cardinals had a rough start just, I mean, on paper, playing the Blue Jays and playing the Braves. Even though those games were at home, I mean, those are really good teams. And then Milwaukee, you go to Milwaukee on the road, not a great team probably this year, maybe a good team. But you get Brandon Woodruff, who is a great pitcher. I think tonight is going to be a little bit more like the norm because we're seeing the Cardinals face that three, that four, that five that you're going to see more often. They're not going to be facing these aces every single game. And so I think when they start facing, you know, the middle of the rotation for guys or the back end of the rotation, that's when we're going to see them start teeing off. And so the offense, no, it did not look good in that Brave series at all. Um, you know, that first game, one for 11 with runners in scoring position, and then they barely got anybody in scoring position after that. I don't think we're going to see that for the rest of the season. I think this offense will come alive, whether or not injuries happen, they've got the depth. Um, but yeah, I think tonight's more of a picture of what we can expect going forward. And tonight's also, it factors into the pitching, right? I mean, we saw Jack Flaherty pitch last night against the Brewers and it wasn't great, obviously. Flaherty's still having control issues, but you know he didn't. I think he, what was he? I know it was four to nothing. I think can't, I don't think he left up all the runs. Um, even so, against the Braves and the Blue Jays, they were giving up four runs in the first or second inning, right? You know, uh, it was a better pitching performance last night. We see really good pitching performance out of Jordan Montgomery, and yeah, there is a difference between facing a great lineup and a good lineup i mean the brewers are going to be good they're you know but they're not to that level that is you expect to just run away with the division or dominate a league and so yeah i mean and then the cardinals now after the after tomorrow after this game and tomorrow against the brewers they go out to colorado playing in colorado is always weird of course but you're also playing a team that is not good um at least by all measures that we can see 
going into the season. Um, and, you know, maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it takes to get a couple of those kind of teams and get a little bit of momentum going. Do you think that's a possibility, too, that once the, the bats and the pitchers start, you know, getting some success, they can feed on that? I think so. I think there's a level of comfort that still needs to come around. I, you know, I see Contreras playing a little bit and just I feel like he's pressing at times. I mean, his average is still pretty good. But, you know, sometimes guys get to a new team and they want to do so much to impress mm-hmm. their new teammates. They just press. We saw that with Nolan Arenado his first year. We even saw it with Paul Goldschmidt a little bit. So I think there is a little bit of that. You know, there's been some uncertainty in the outfield. We've only seen Newt for one game. We don't know when he's going to return, but it could be soon. Uh, we've had some issues, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, with Tyler O'Neill and just, you know, some stuff going on there. Dylan Carlson didn't play much at the beginning. Now he's starting to play. He's also starting to hit. I think there's going to be a comfort level um, that's going to happen with some of this. Now, hopefully you don't go out there to Colorado and lay an egg. I, I know there's some pretty poor games last year. I know Miles mm-hmm. Michaelis had one of those games where he looked oh. terrible at the beginning, and then suddenly it just kind of clicked, but it was uh, too late for that. So you you hope you can go beat up on these bad teams. Um, you don't want to go out to Colorado and have Chris Bryant think that you're a boring team by any means. <laughs> You, you want to kind of set the record straight there, but um, yeah, hopefully it, it all just kind of comes together. We see, I think this team's gelling a little bit more at the plate, uh, especially tonight, start hitting with runners in scoring position. And I would love to see Jordan Walker at Coors Field hit one 550 feet. <laughs> and he very well may. It feels like, I think you were even talking about it last week, right? That he was getting some elevation on the ball. And then, you know, this week we see, including tonight, his first two major league home runs. This kid, eight games to start the season, eight games where he's had a hit, um, two home runs. I mean, I'm not saying he's like, you know, he's not hit like 500 or anything, but there's no doubt that he has made a place for himself in the major leagues. And, you know, there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be times of that nature, but you know, the argue, if, if there was an argument that he didn't need to be in St. Louis, that argument is pretty much out the window. Yeah. And I really appreciate you pointing out what I got right about Jordan Walker. <laughs> um, and really, you know, let's just go ahead and wrap up things. You know, I think we've had a good show. Let's wrap it up right there. Yeah. Uh, because according to, well, both of us, we didn't think he was making this team. Uh, and that was early on fair, in spring training. <laughs> to, to be fair, neither one of us didn't think he was quality to the you know the quality he didn't deserve he deserved to make the team we just also thought there were too many variables to keep him away so I, I don't think anybody questioned whether he was good enough right yeah now I will say I I thought when the decision was coming down at the end of spring that he probably needed to be in Memphis because I thought there was either a shoulder injury or he was having trouble hitting off-speed pitches or, or you know something like that well he's proved me wrong the guy's hitting fastballs and off-speed pitches over the fence um yeah, he, he's definitely proved me wrong. Uh, but it was nice to see that, yes, he that elevation that he's starting to get. Uh, both of his home runs, um, he, he his launch angle has looked great. But even tonight, he went the other way with a pitch that I thought was just beautiful in the way he handled it. Um, it's so weird seeing him at the plate because he is such a big guy. Like, I look at him at the plate and I'm thinking, this guy must have so many holes in his swing. Like, you just think that, like, I'm thinking, like, here's, you know, Brandon Moss or Adam Dunn, you know, one of those guys because of how big he is. But he makes such hard contact and the way his bat is in the zone is just incredible. I'm glad that I was wrong about those things at the beginning. Now, I, I have thought since I drafted him, 
he was on the path to be a superstar. I just didn't think it was going to happen at age 20. Um, Are you, I I know we're both happy with what he's done. Are you surprised we're seeing this much this soon? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I mean, one, we've seen a number of prospects come up and have a good run through a league. So, you know, at least the first time around, right? We, we, you know, wait till see what the adjustments look like and all that kind of stuff. So maybe early success is not too surprising. On the flip side of that, you know, it's still the major leagues for a guy that hasn't, you know, just spent a year in double A. Um, so to be that successful, to be this consistent, I think is the biggest thing, right? I mean, you know, he's not necessarily had a whole lot of, you know, three, four, four, four type of games, but he's had, you know, a hit in every game. He's had a, multiple hits in a few games. He's got two home runs. He's not, he's not being the dominant force, but he's obviously comfortable where he's at. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what I expected to see out of him coming out of the gate um like you said coming in out of spring training he was he was scuffling a little bit and that's last week or two you know i could have even imagined a situation kind of like dylan carlson where he came up and maybe had a little bit of success and then struggled or had to go to memphis for a while before you know just as as to try to get his head back on straight that still could happen but it's harder to see that being a possibility now now when you know this this whole situation is going to be very interesting when Lars Newtbar comes back, right? I mean, you know, we've we kind of have been able, not that Newtbar's going to necessarily push Walker out of a mix, but it, you know, Tyler O'Neill's done pretty well. Dylan Carlson has shown that, you know, he can be productive as well. It's going to be a little bit more difficult, I think, to rotate all of those bats in through the outfield. Um, and so it's going to be very interesting to see if Jordan Walker's playing time is affected at all, or if it's everybody else has to rotate and Jordan Walker's still out there every day. Yeah. Um, it, it's a good problem to have. And we've said mm-hmm. that many times. Uh, I'm surprised he's played every game so far or he has yeah. played every game. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, it, but you kind of mentioned, you touched on something like, you know, he hasn't just been that dominant force and, I was kind of thinking about that. Like for a guy that had all the attention on him in spring training, even from national media, I feel like he's doing this very quietly. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because of where he's hitting in the order. Maybe it's because the Cardinals haven't been winning this week. Maybe it's because he hasn't had that like walk off home run or something, but I feel like I'm hearing like Corbin Carroll's name all over the place. And Walker's numbers are better than Carroll. Um, Cardinals just finished the game. Just one. Walker ends this game hitting 355. His OPS is over a thousand. Uh, the guy has had so many batted balls over 100 miles per hour, and yet it's kind of gotten a little bit quiet. It's kind of faded in the background a little bit, which I think is a good thing for a 20 year old. Um, you want some of the other guys to take the attention away, let him just kind of go out there and play, uh, but he's doing it quietly. I think that does give him a chance, hopefully, to relax. Just let the game come to him. Just put forth his natural ability. And then when Newt comes back and you've kind of got this rotation going on or whatever it is, it lets Ali just play the hot hand. Now, whether he does that or not, I don't know. Uh, But it allows Cardinals to play the matchups a little bit more or who's hitting. And, And right now, Walker's one of those guys who deserves to be in the lineup every single day. 
Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And I don't think that, I don't expect him to sit much. Um, I, You know, and given this week, and we, maybe we can get into it this way, um, but given this week and what happened with Tyler O'Neill, I mean, it feels like you could really see a situation where, assuming, and, and I think it's a big assumption, especially with a thumb injury, that that Lars Newbert comes back and hits the way we thought he was going to hit, right? Assuming he's hitting the way we think he's going to hit with the Thower and, and all that, the way Walker is going, I mean, you could see that it's, you know, just painly center field that rotates, that O'Neill and Carlson kind of flip in and out and Burleson get the day here and there. Um, I don't know. Do you think, I mean, do you think, one, I guess, if the Tyler O'Neill thing is going to carry on past or maybe it's already over. Um, or is is there some sort of rotation that's going to happen that doesn't have those two guys playing almost all the time? It's a great question. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that after this O'Neill, whatever you want to call it, comes out, that Ken Rosenthal comes out with a report that O'Neill's name had been involved in talks with the Marlins and possibly another team in the offseason, but nothing materialized. Uh, it's one of those where, where there's smoke. Is there a little bit of fire? I don't know what's going on here. I didn't like how things were handled. Now, we know, you know, men can be men, boys can be boys. And, you know, you can have a little bit of argument like this. You can, you know, wrestle around with it. And 15 minutes later, everything can be fine. You can be best friends. Hopefully that's what this is. Hopefully this is more of a media thing out there and that everything's kind of cool in the clubhouse. But if not, maybe O'Neill could be on the move. Um, I feel like at this point, if the Cardinals lose an outfielder, they're looking extremely thin. Uh, maybe not extremely thin, but if you're if with Newt's injury, yes, you're looking extremely thin in outfield because you still don't know necessarily what you have with Burleson, and you don't know if Jordan Walker may kind of regress a little bit being um, the young guy that he is. I don't know what to think. With, with all this, uh, I prefer having all these guys on the team. Now, I would also prefer having another, you know, having a number two, number three starter. So I don't know really what materializes from this. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. O'Neal isn't really hitting right now. Of all the outfielders, he's kind of been the weakest one. And we've seen that it, it seems like the Cardinals are going to try to play the matchups no matter who it is. One thing that kind of made me a little confused, uh, Woodruff even though Woodruff is a right-handed pitcher, he destroys left-handed batters. Uh, Last year, lefties hit under 200 against him. And yet we see the Cardinals roll out Donovan and Burleson at the top of the lineup. Uh, To me, that just didn't make sense. Like logically, yes, okay, two lefties against a righty. But when you're looking at the splits, it just doesn't make sense. So if that's the case, then it could be one of those issues where we see O'Neal against left-handed pitching, but when it's right-handed pitching, it's a toss-up each time between maybe him, Carlson, and maybe Newt. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really going to be interesting. And it's still a little ways off, it sounds like. Um, Newt's still recovering. And I figure by this point in time, we'll get at least a little bit of, of time in the in the minors as a rehab. So you're looking at you know probably a couple weeks um, at the earliest anyway. Um which is going to really make those people that got Cardinal games in Japan a little bit aggravated, but that's (laughs) another story. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know. I think it's very interesting. I do think that, I I mean, Tyler O'Neill's an interesting guy 
for a trade trip, you know, especially if he shows that he's still hitting. If he's hitting for 40 home run power, obviously they don't trade him. Um, if he's hitting for like five home run power, then nobody wants him. But if he's hitting in that 15 to 20 home run power range, I think it becomes very intriguing, right? Because he has value, enough value to trade, but not so much value that you can't trade him. Um, and when, you know, you do have some of these other guys available. I don't, I don't know. It, it, this whole thing. I do think, though, to to get back to a little bit to the, the, the discussion of the week, I, I feel like maybe that has kind of gone by the wayside now because, you know, Ollie's playing him. He's saying some right things. I don't know that it needed to be addressed as much of the media as it was, but it feels like almost like it was a bit more motivating to Tyler O'Neill than it was, you know, and whether than it was like slamming him and whether that works or not. I mean, Ollie's the one that's dealing with these guys. He has to have some idea of how, how motivation works for him. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, there are times where I think a manager may need to go through the media to try to motivate his players, but a lot of times that's a last resort mm-hmm. and you need to have a deep level of credibility with your guys before you ever do something like that. It just felt way too early, way too soon to do something like that. And and this even goes beyond sports, but always address it with the person one-on-one before you address it with a group whether it's in a press release, whether it's with media, whatever it may be. I mean, you hear about like some of these guys that get traded and they find out either via text or the bottom line on ESPN. Like to me, that's just so unprofessional. We don't know all the ins and outs of this, but I I just did not like how it looked. The optics were kind of ugly. Now, of course, when the Cardinals aren't playing well, this gets blown up a lot bigger than it is. Um, If they had swept the Braves. I don't think we're really talking about this as much, mm-hmm. uh, but it is an issue because it has been put out there. And so it's something that we're going to talk about. Um, hopefully it's behind, you know, even before that play happened, there were a couple times this season already where O'Neill, like one was a double play. And I think one was what I thought was going to be an infield hit where I thought, Oh, he's got this beat out easily. And then he got thrown out by like two or three steps. And I thought something's not right. So was he not running hard? Eh, I don't know. Did he have tight legs? Are his hamstrings not feeling right? There are any number of things that could be going on there. I don't know what they are. Um, But yeah, keep that in the clubhouse. And and to go back to something you kind of talked about, one reason why I would hate to see him get traded right now, I think both O'Neal and Carlson are sell low candidates right now. I don't think you're going to get much value in return for them. Now, maybe a little more with Carlson because of his potential, but with both of these guys coming off injuries, if you sell, you're not going to get the return that you're hoping for. I mean, you, what do you maybe get like a, a fifth starter, fourth starter, a reliever? Right. I, I don't know. But until these guys show that they're healthy and that they're actually reaching their potential, you're just, you're going to get, pennies on the dollar. And so I I just don't think it's even smart for the Cardinals, which we don't know if they're discussing trades. Um, That's just speculation on other people's parts. They're probably not. Um, But I hope both of those players are mainstays in the lineup for a a while to come. Yeah, it would be best. Uh, And the Cardinals have had problems. The Cardinals have had problems selling high. Um, They have less problems selling low. It feels like at times. (laughs) Um, 
you know, Randy Rosarena. Yeah. Um, and others. I mean, they did all right. I think it probably, I don't think they sold high or low on Harrison Bader. Um, right. Got a good, got a good return, but you know, being hurt, I think they, they get it, hit it probably about right. But you know, there have been times in the past, especially in off seasons, you know, it's like, Hey, this guy is, you know, had a great year last year. Like, well, even Tyler O'Neill, you know, when he was coming off the MVP, um, you know, what ninth place finish or whatever that he had. I mean, there was at least an argument to be made. I don't know that I would say that they needed to do, you know, go actively shop him, but there was an argument to be made that you're not going to ever have, he's ever going to have more value than he did right then. Um, you know, maybe you get a, something like a Sandy Alcantara, um, you know, or something of that nature that, you know, that comes back to you that is worth it. Now, I mean, of course it's a gamble because Tyler Nell being young and, and all that, he could have been doing this for years. Um, but I don't feel like the Cardinals even entertain that kind of discussion. So I don't know. I think this is, could be an interesting, I still feel like something's going to happen around the trade deadline. I mean, probably like literally around the trade deadline, because sometimes they don't make those moves until like an hour before, but, um, because I just, I just think they're going to have to, you know, they're going to spend April and May and maybe part of June figuring out what they've got. But after that, I think they want to get settled. I think when you get into July, August, September, you want a fairly consistent lineup if you can help it. Um, And I don't think you necessarily want to be sorting out five outfielders. So you're thinking maybe Tyler O'Neill for Otani, maybe Bieber, um, Shane or Justin. uh, Yeah. I mean, just one for one straight up. Sure. I mean, well, no, I mean, I think, I think the angels would probably have to throw in a little bit more. Um, you know, Tommy plus CJ Wilson, you know. Albert Pools is uh 10 year contract. <laughs> yeah, throw, throw Albert's 10 year contract. And we'll, we'll see what they can do. Um, I don't Personal know. Personal services, I, yeah. not playing time contract. Right. Yes. No, as much as we loved Albert last year, I think uh, committing to him for another nine years on the field would be <laughs> kind of insane. So, um, but uh, anyway, the, let's see what else we've had this week. Um, I think we've also seen, and we talked about this again last night, but when we get into the bullpen discussions, there's the good, you know, Drew Verhagen has been the guy. I think he's doing even better than the guy that they thought they were getting, right? I mean, yes. He's been yes. lights out, finished the game tonight. He's been remarkable, which is good because it feels like the seventh inning spot, you know, that Jordan Hicks has right now is about to become available Um, (laughs) because it has been Jordan Hicks has been probably maybe the most frustrating pitcher on the team so far this year. Right. I mean, he's given up a run every time out the Cardinals were trying to be, you know, trying to drill into him to, you know, go after the first hitter. So last night he goes after the first hitter and gives up a home run. Um, That's probably not what they had in mind. Um, I don't know. What else? I mean, I, I, I'm concerned that we're not going to get anything out of Jordan Hicks this year. Yeah, and I'll just jump back real quick. Verhagen yeah. finished tonight's game, seven pitches. He has been the Cardinals' best starting pitcher. Who is not a starting pitcher? He has been tremendous. Um, he's looking great, and so 
that's if the rotation can put it together, he's going to be a weapon. But yes, going to Hicks, I mean, ERA is over 12 at this point. I know a lot of people are saying they need to send him to Memphis. And because of his age, it seems like he could go. Mm-hmm. But people forget this is his fifth year in the majors. It's hard to believe that because he's not very old. But I mean, it's his fifth year. So sixth. Yeah, I guess he has been the his of the five full years. Right. And so he cannot be sent to Memphis without his consent or some type of rehab assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, something I wanted to ask you about him, and this has kind of been on my mind, and I've heard various people talk about this, but I'm curious if you think the organization maybe has failed him a little bit. I, he's got rushed to the majors so fast, mm-hmm. skipped over multiple levels because the Cardinals were so enamored with this guy that could throw 103. And people talk about all the time how being a thrower is much different from being a pitcher. And I feel like he never developed into a true pitcher. Do you, do you get that sense? Do you feel like the organization has failed him? We talked about this a bit last night as well on, on mutual. Um, one, it's hard to, if you're going to say that anybody failed him, it might have, you might have to point your fingers at the old catcher. Because I do think that if Yadier Molina doesn't tell John Mosellock that Jordan Hicks needs to come up, that he can handle it, that 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 Yadi will guide him through everything, I don't know that the Cardinals make that jump. You know, once he had made it, once that he had been able to show that he was at least be able to hold his own in the big leagues, and it was a little bit easier for them to keep him there. But I don't think they do that without. Um, without Yachty kind of push it on them. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think if you ask Jordan Hicks, he'd take this career um, over the possibility of starting, but you know, he might, he might not only have been coming up a, a year or two ago as a starter and there's no guarantee of that. You know, he could have, especially when he, assuming he had the same kind of Tommy John surgeries and stuff like that, he, he might never have made it. So at least now, he's going to have a major league career that he might not have had otherwise. So it's hard to say. I mean, there's two sides of that coin because you're right. I don't know that he, I think he would have served been served better to develop more, but you know, in that development process, you just never know if it's actually going to come to fruition. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot for a way too early prediction. (laughs) Is Jordan Hicks wearing a Cardinals Jersey next season? Oh no. I, I don't, I really don't. I don't. I don't, I don't see how, I mean, let's put it that way. Um, Because I think that if he, even if he rebounds, I mean, I guess the bet, the only really way that he is, is if he rebounds and has a kind of middling year, you know, and he signs some one year basic contract to nothing special. Because I think there's also going to be teams out there that even if he struggles, and the Cardinals don't want him that I think that there's somebody out there that's going to sign Jordan Hicks because he throws 105 and they think they can tweak him. And he'd probably go to Tampa Bay and become like the best closer ever. I mean, <laughs> something like that. Um, but I, yeah, I, it's really hard for me. I know the Cardinals like their, their guys, but I mean, unless he just, and I think also, you know, if he turns around and just dominates, well, then he throws 105 and he's really good and he's on the free agent market. And I don't know that he, I think he may price himself out of the Cardinals plan. So I think there's a very narrow window where he returns next year. What do you think? 
I'm with you. And for some reason, I feel like he is wearing Padres colors and pitching for Mike Schilt. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like mm. Mike Schilt's going to bring him in. He doesn't even yeah. have that much power. But yeah, I think he's one of Schilt's guys and uh, we'll, we'll see that happen. That's my guess. I don't I don't see him being a Cardinal next season. I think he will get paid based on potential more than production. And so, yeah, I don't anticipate that. Cardinals do not pay their guys based on what they should have been. They pay them based on what they think they will be. And so I, I don't think Hicks is a Cardinal after this year. I don't know if he's a Cardinal past the trade deadline. I mean, it's possible. Um, I do think that Jordan Hicks is not a guy they cut. Oh, no. I mean, no. you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, could he get traded? Be part of a package? Maybe, depending on what he's at. Um, could he somehow be hurt? I mean, he doesn't seem to be. I mean, it doesn't seem to be a, a, an injury issue, but does that mean it's not going to flare up? I don't know. Um, and I mean, and, and I mean, he could settle in. I mean, we've talked about, you know, four innings or so this year, um, you know, that haven't been good. Um, the starters have had their own issues and stuff like that. So he could settle in, but it's, it's, it's not just this year, right? I mean, this is, this year is the extreme, but it's something we've seen over the last two or three years. I mean, really, since he came back from the arm surgery, he's never quite been the same. And even before the arm surgery, he, he never had the strikeout rate that you would have expected for a guy that throws as hard as he does. Um, so yeah, I don't, it's a very interesting guy, very interesting situation. It's very frustrating situation. I mean, I, and I personally, I mean, I hate it because I know I was, you know, you know, that his parents are on, you know, social media and, and and that's the thing with this age, right. And that a lot of these times the parents or the grandparents or the brothers or some of those family members are on um, social media. And I don't say that you shouldn't criticize a guy because, you know, mama's looking over, you know, could see your tweet. But I also think that it's gotta be really hard on those players, those people, right. To see, to know how much that, you know, Jordan Hicks is struggling, you know, and how much he wants to do better. And then, you know, to be on, if you're on social media, then to just be hit with, you know, probably a wall of negativity about him. That's, at least somewhat justified. It, it's got to be hard. And it's a totally, it's a totally, you know, modern problem that's never really had to happen before. Yeah. That does bring up some great points because we forget that sometimes these, ath- these athletes are humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of really stuck with me a couple months ago. I was, I just sent a tweet out about Jordan Walker. I don't think I use any hashtags, didn't tag anybody or anything. Um, it was a positive tweet because I love Jordan Walker mm-hmm. and his dad liked it and maybe retweeted it or something. And I was like, how did he even like, know? <laughs> like he, he yeah. had to be searching for his son's name. Oh, sure. And I thought his dad saw my tweet and I didn't tag him in it or anything. And it was one of those reminders that, yeah, um, these are real people out here. Um, and for whatever's being said publicly about people, which is some terrible stuff, mm-hmm. it probably doesn't come anywhere close to what they're getting in their direct messages from all the yeah, horrible golly. people online. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if I was a professional, of course, if I, was, I think if you're a professional athlete, having a social media account is dangerous, of course, but you would never look at your mentions and you would never look at your private messages. <laughs> right. I mean, because I mean, Either that or you're going to spend a half your day blocking half the fan base. Um, 
you know, and I, and again, some athletes get a little too sensitive and I, and I get that, but we know how bad fan bases can be. I mean, just despicable at times and at least certain parts of them. So, you know, I would never want to, you know, you hate for anybody to have to go through that. Even, you know, any of these, these guys that have been terrible for the Cardinals for length of time, you know, um, you still don't want them to have to get into their, their direct messages and see a whole bunch of, you know, you should die type of messages that you're, they're probably getting And So, uh, yeah, we'll, don't want to, don't want to do that. So, um, all right. Well, we, we saw Nolan Arnauto hit his 30, 300th home run tonight. Do you think that kind of gets him? He, not that he's had a bad start to the year, but it feels to me like it just hasn't been what we thought we'd get. You know, it'd be situations where he's coming up with runners on and, you know, maybe hitting double the play or, you know, fly out that doesn't, doesn't do anything. You think now that if he was pressing, and I don't know if he was for a 300, but it is a milestone. Do you think that kind of releases a little bit? I think it has to feel good for him. I think he's been hitting the ball really hard, just right at guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's gotten robbed quite a few times on some really hard hit balls, like right at the shortstop, right at the third baseman. Um, so hopefully, you know, this is a good feeling for him and he can just kind of go out there and play. Um, I do think it, when you think about like, like, like 300s a lot, and then when you think he's not even like halfway to where Albert Pujols is, yeah. like that puts his in perspective, like, Wow, that's incredible. Uh, but yeah. And Nolan um, played at Coors Field. Very true, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for a guy hitting 364, um, we still feel like we haven't seen the true Nolan. So yeah, I, I think we're going to start seeing some balls leaving the park very soon. And the weather's going to heat up too. Uh, the Cardinals have played in some cold temperatures so far where the ball has just been dead. Um, so, you know, it's going to heat up. Right now they're playing in Milwaukee where they – close the roof and do a flyover and then close the roof and do fireworks inside, which makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, yeah, they are yeah. bright ones up there. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start getting into some warmer weather um, or some different air in Colorado. So I, I think we're about to see him start zipping some line drives all over the place. Um, I just noticed a tweet from um, John Denton before we start to wrap this up. It says Paul DeYoung uh, had two hits tonight in Palm beach. Um, he did play shortstop and he's going to continue his rehab at Memphis on Monday that, you know, jumping him to Memphis. I still feel like they're, they're going to probably take the whole 20 days or whatever they have, but moving him up to Memphis already. I I don't know. Are we going to have to start figuring out this middle infield a little bit more, um, a little bit sooner than we thought? You know, my Taylor Motter jersey has not arrived yet, and they're already <laughs> talking about DeYoung. This is ridiculous. Um, I think it's just going to be a quick swap, a one-for-one. One. I think DeYoung's up, Motter's gone, when he's ready. And I don't. I really think we're going to see DeYoung about as much as we're seeing Motter right now. Um, at, maybe we even see DeYoung at second base occasionally. I don't know, but I don't think we're going to see him very much unless he starts crushing the ball which could happen. But as we know, that usually only happens for a week or two. Um, but yeah, I don't see much. Do you, do you think there's anything to that? Do you think he'll actually get more playing time than Motter is? Um, no, probably not. I'm also checking. It's very possible. I know 
this is going to surprise a lot of people that follow on Twitter, but John Denton may be a slightly wrong on his numbers. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but I almost said he might want to verify the tweet first. Um, looking at the box score for, unless they played a doubleheader today, which I don't have any particular reason to think they did. Uh, Paul DeYoung went 0 for 2 today. He got two at-bats, not two hits. Um, and is 1 for 9 in his three games at uh, Palm Beach so far. So um, I'm not 100% sure where John, if he just kind of misread his box score or whatever. But anyway, um, I can't, it's hard to imagine that. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's one thing, you know, Paul DeYoung's one for nine at three strikeouts and at Palm Beach. And I, and I get that, you know, you see the rehab guys go through there all the time. They're working on stuff. They don't necessarily put up numbers, whatever. Get that. But if you're Paul DeYoung, you have to show something. Um, or people are just going to assume we're same as we ever were. And, and I think we probably are same as we ever were. So, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, it probably means Taylor Mutter's time in St. Louis is cut short, unfortunately. Hopefully you will still wear that modern jersey with pride when it does come. Um, and we'll have Paul DeYoung hang around and be a good clubhouse presence and play once or twice a week. And I think that's about all you can expect, either that or, you know, and and maybe if he he better not, like, say ouch in the club in the dugout or they'll put him back on the injured list you know i mean i i I just i i it's hard to see what paul dion brings to this team right now i I think it kind of goes to that old adage where people would say um you'll take whatever you can get out of anything out of them but you don't expect to get anything out of them just Mm -hmm. basically if he gives you something it's a pleasant surprise but i you can't count on him at this point. Um, I hope he does surprise us. I hope he crushes the ball and we're like, you know, this guy needs to be in the lineup, but I would be shocked if four or five weeks from now we're talking about him. Um, now, you know, I was, didn't think Jordan Walker was going to make the team and four to five weeks later, we're talking about him, but I, I don't think that's going to be the same with Paul DeYoung. Hopefully I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Yeah, it would be, it'd be great if, because I think everybody, likes Paul DeYoung, right? Um, it's just, you know, realistic expectations. It is good that he was able to go play the outfield. I mean, not uh, play center field. Or shortstop, that's the position I'm trying to get to. <laughs> he was actually able to play the field, I think is what I was trying to say. Um, you know, his first game he DH'd, so no, I know it's very humorous to think about him playing center field because um, just what we need is another outfielder. I was um, going to say, did you see that in a tweet too? <laughs> <laughs> no, did not. That is completely my error. So anyway, all right. Well, we'll see how that develops. Um, we also saw Adam Wainwright is probably not too far away from making a rehab start or two. And I don't imagine he'll make more. I would, what, one, I think is probably all that Wainwright needs, right? He's not yeah. that long. Oh, yeah. yeah, he'll get four or five innings just to, to show that he can do it and he'll be back up and, you know, yeah, we, we had that discussion early on of you know, what happens if everybody's pitching well when Adam Wainwright comes back. Doesn't look like that's going to be a problem. Uh, um, uh, so, I may have been off on that one too. I, I think yeah. it said Woodford was going to be one of the top two, mm. but he still <laughs> could be. Still time. Still, I mean, right now, 
<laughs> it's Jordan Montgomery. It's a race to the that's, bottom. That's right. All it takes is like three scoreless innings tomorrow, and <laughs> he's right up there. So, all right. Well, we'll be back at you next Sunday. We'll talk about and what, maybe we'll get our first triple this week. And we not we haven't had a triple yet. Yeah, that, that's that's the crazy thing. Cardinals are actually first in the majors in average coming in tonight. Mm-hmm. First in average by fourteen points. And yet they're towards the bottom with doubles and zero triples. That's, you know, in case you're playing some trivia and that comes up, you're welcome. But yeah, um, I just find that fascinating. First and yeah. average by a long ways, but no triple. The extra well, base mean, hits just aren't there. Yeah, that's the that's kind of the thing, because I know that, again, take it for what it's worth. It was a John Denton tweet. Um, but he did say that, you know, tonight was the third time this year that, that every starter has gotten a hit. You know, that's three out of eight. You know, they've gotten 10, 11, 12 hits a game on a regular basis. It's just that a lot of them have been singles, which is not bad. I mean, I'd rather have 10 hits of singles than, you know, like be one hit or something like that. But it's also this team should be doing more than that. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I I don't expect a lot of triples, um, but you you would think the double power would be there. Um, But... You know, so maybe they're just going to hit it out of the ballpark, and that's fine, too. It works. Yep. So, anyway, we'll see what we can get this next week, uh, and we'll talk at you the next time. So, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.